Urban Spelunking is supported by Landmark Credit Union. Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Hey, well, this week on Urban Spelunking, we are in Wauwatosa, downtown Wauwatosa, which it may surprise people that there's a really amazing recording studio right in the heart of Wauwatosa. It's called Wire and Vice. Crazy. It's a hidden thing. I think I don't, I don't, I didn't know it was there. I mean, I went there sort of when it began life, so it, it hadn't been there long enough to maybe get a reputation, but... I had no idea it was there. When somebody said, oh, well, let's go to the studio in, on Underwood, I'm like, what studio on Underwood? You know, and then you get there and it looks like there's an art shop in front, but you don't even see because the studio is in the building kind of behind it. So even when I posted the story on, on Milwaukee last week, people on Tosa Facebook pages were saying, where is this place? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. And it, it really flew under the radar to the general public, yeah. which I think was sort of good from a safety standpoint because, you know, it's got gear in it and that kind of thing, but... But it also feels like a sort of hidden gem because you would go into this place and it, this is a world-class recording studio. This is not just like a, a hobby place set up. It, it was an amazing, amazing place. Yeah, if you know, you definitely know. Um, it's um, really amazing the work that's come out of this studio over the years, the last 20 years. Of course, you know, like you mentioned, some some Milwaukee artists, Field Report, Webster X, Abby Jean, some really big names mm-hmm. in Milwaukee music. Yep. Uh, but then some national artists, too, have worked with Daniel Holter, who is kind of the he's the owner and <laughs> kind of the head chef there, you know, yeah. with, with the production end of things. And yeah, Rihanna voiced two songs there. Yeah, and you just so think that's of, a pretty amazing achievement. Absolutely, think about that coming out of Wauwatosa, you know, and this in this space that actually used to be a post office. That was surprising too. So this was a post office in the nineteen. 19- uh, it was built in the thirties. Thirties, okay. Sort of a, a subtly Art Deco building built in the thirties to be a dedicated post office. Before that, for the previous sort of thirty years, the, the post office was a space in the uh, tavern building where. Um, Ristorante Bartolotta is now. Okay. And it was a post office until 1970 when they built the new one that's out there now on Mayfair Road. The new one from 1970 out there uh, on Mayfair Road. So it was a post office for about 40 years. Yeah. So people who were around then certainly knew of it. Back then, post offices were a lot more integrated into your daily life. So I'm sure a lot of longtime Wabatosa residents probably remember going here. Oh, sure, yeah, because you would do all sorts of things at post offices that now people do online. Well, coming up in the second part of Urban Spelunking, we're going to interview Daniel Holter, the head chef, the, the no guy, <laughs> the guy behind Wire and Vice. Uh, we're going to interview him, talk about the next chapter for this um, this studio because it's changing hands. But the good news is, is it's going to remain this world class recording studio in Wabatosa. So that interview next on Urban Spelunking. Thanks for streaming 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. All the music you enjoy here is listener supported and right now you have a chance to make a huge impact on the programming you enjoy. The Heil Family Foundation is matching gifts through October 5th. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash donate to double your support now. Support for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee comes from your membership and Landmark Credit Union. Landmark Credit Union is proud to support Urban Spelunking and is proud to have been guiding members with financial options since 1933. Information about membership is at LandmarkCU.com. Landmark Credit Union. All right, so welcome back. We're, we're here with Daniel Holter of Wire and Vice Studios. We were talking about this big move and this post office where, where his studios were located. And Daniel, it's great to have you here on the phone. Welcome to Urban Spelunking, the podcast. Good to talk with you guys, as always. 
So I guess let's just start with, um, you know, kind of where things are at right now. You've been living in Seattle for the last 18 months and you relocated uh, yourself, but the but the studio had been there. And, you know, I know so much work and development went into creating this space in Wauwatosa. So many great albums came out of this studio. Um, so really great news to hear that it's going to remain a studio and especially someone that you are, you've been connected with for all these years. I am uh, above all else. I'm excited that it's going to remain a creative space. It really meant a lot to me to find the right situation for the building and for the community. Um, I'm ecstatic about it. It just feels great. And I've had so many people inquiring about buying the property, flipping the property. I had somebody interested in tearing it down and obviously, you know, putting in a multi-level, whatever they do, the new retail thing with the first level retail and condos above and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I would have done fine, you know, business-wise with any of those transactions, but it just uh, would have broken my heart. You know, I've got so much invested in that space emotionally and creatively, and it just feels real good that it's going to continue as a studio uh, under new ownership and people that I trust with, you know, they're interested in doing that and ma- and investing their spirit and making it their own space. Uh, we're keeping the name, keeping the brand. It's going to be Wire and Vice moving forward. Um, I think quite literally the Cotillers are the only people I would consider doing that for. I was even talking with our studio owners about taking over the space. I would not have offered the studio name to anyone else, but the Cotillers are very uh, dear friends, and I know their hearts are in the right place. And Luke has been working for me for a few years, and I've known him his whole life. I've been friends with his dad, Dave, since before Luke was born. So just have a real good feeling about the whole thing. I know they're excited. Um, I'm, I'm in town this week when this is airing uh, to kind of finalize some details. And we've got this big clearance garage basement sale happening where I got to get rid of a bunch of stuff, but it's all real positive energy. It feels great right now. It's like a garage band garage sale. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know when you were here, the studio was, you viewed it sort of as your own personal workshop. I mean, you rented it out also, but um but really primarily it was sort of your workspace. What's been going on in the last 18 months? Has it been up? Has it been sort of more freely operating in that time? You know, a lot of the time these last year and a half, we've had a few sessions in. Obviously the pandemic affected what we could do there, but I've got a real quality team on site who manage uh, COVID protocols. We've got uh, safety measures in place. People have to check in and be tested and wear masks and the whole thing. So we've had a few sessions since I've been gone. But honestly, candidly, it's been a little bit of a ghost town because so much of the work that's been done there the last 20 years has been my own projects and stuff for my licensing company, my publishing company, the License Lab. So this is a new season for a few different reasons. You know, the the last year and a half has been trying to figure out what the options are going to be moving forward. And then when this idea came into place about this transition, now there's some energy there in, in terms of making some changes and we're, we're talking about some uh, modifications and updates and just kind of making it a uh, legit commercial space for rent. People should know that uh, the License Lab obviously has been a long, you know, a long uh, partner of 88.9s and we use a lot of the music from the License Lab in the podcast here. And we've worked together, in fact, um, on, the, on our feature film, which was in the Milwaukee Film Festival, Invisible Lines. And the License Lab provided a lot of music for that or all the music for that. So Daniel and I spent a lot of time in that studio space uh, for like days in a row putting the final touches on, on, 
uh, the film, and I can I was just blown away. Like I had no idea that that caliber of a recording studio existed right there in Wauwatosa. And then when you started talking about like the history of the building and the post office and but what was it like, you know, converting this this post office into a world class recording studio? Well, that was a big project that I honestly I didn't know what I was in for when I got the building. Um, I actually I overheard a conversation by a local musician that everybody would know that I don't want to mention. Just I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I overheard a conversation by a very well known local musician at Summerfest who basically said that the people who had the building were trying to sell and, and there was a studio in it. And, and it wasn't much of a studio. It was kind of a, a projection room with a, some equipment in it and a conference room that they were using for live space. And they were in the process of building a studio in the back of the behind kind of where they were currently located. And I went and visited the building and just thought, well, this could be really cool if we kind of redo things and, and just kind of start over. So I worked with the SBA actually to buy the building and thought, you know what, someday I'm going to put a studio in here because it's just the perfect layout for a studio. And then I got in meetings with the bank and with the government and the SBA. <laughs> I had some tenants lined up and this is how kind of just, I just barreled into this idea like the way I often do in my career. And I'm just like, this is going to be great someday. And then I get into it and realize Oh, this is a much bigger deal than I was prepared for right now <laughs> because they informed me as I was going through the process, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to put a studio in there someday. It'd be perfect for that. I'm going to rent it out in the time for the time being. And they, I'd made a, I had made a deposit payment and got investors lined up and the whole thing. And they tell me in that meeting, well, wait, no, you, we don't loan money for that. It, it, we only loan money for owner operators. Like you have to be there. <laughs> so oh. I was like, so I guess so I'm that building was, a studio now. That caught you by surprise as you were... As yeah, like, I'm, oh, okay. I just tend to kind of run into <laughs> dreams like that, a little, you know, boneheaded. But it all worked out. It just meant uh, I moved out of my space downtown a little sooner than I was anticipating and got just, just jumped headfirst into the process of building a studio. And I worked with a world-renowned studio designer in Dallas, Texas. His name is Russ Berger. Um, he did, for example, the NFL films facility. He did Whitney Houston's personal studio. He's just done wow. tons and tons of incredible rooms uh, all around the world. And I worked with him on the original building layout and the main room design. He had actually told me no to two previous buildings that I was looking at. I was looking at a, a space in the third ward and another space, I forget where the other one was, but he told me no to taking my work twice because <laughs> he was a quality guy who just didn't want me to buy a bunch of problems. He was an acoustic designer and knew what I was getting into. And uh, when I told him about this place and he flew up to take a look at it, he and his crew flew to Milwaukee to take a look at this building. When he, I said, I'm not going to call you again until, you know, I, I, after you told me no twice, I was like, I'm not going to call you again until it's for real, you know? So he came up to look at this one and as they were getting back on the plane, he said, if you don't buy this building and put a studio in it, I'm going to. <laughs> oh, wow. So the, the, the pressure was on. Yeah, it was, it's just a perfect building for a studio at the level and caliber that I wanted to put together. And it's not ostentatious. It's not massive. It's not the world's biggest studio. It's not the, you know, the most opulent, but, it's a great workroom, and I'm really proud of it. And we spent a lot of time getting it right. Uh, the, the design and the layout, the acoustics, ceiling height, the equipment choices, like 
it's a great room and I'm really proud of it, but man, I didn't know what I was getting into when I, when I bought the building 21 years ago, <laughs> so, a little bit of a, Oh, I guess we're doing this now, you know? I'm guessing my experience was the same when I first saw the studio as Nate. I can remember going there the first time, and I don't know if it would have been 2001-ish or 2002. It definitely had to be by 2002 because you did a mix for us in 2002. Um, but I remember going in there and being like, wait, there's no studio on, on Underwood. What? And then <laughs> going in the back, going in that door and sort of stepping into this whole new world. I felt like I stepped into LA or something, you know, I mean, just, this, it just seemed like the kind of studio you didn't see here very often. And it really just felt like this amazing kind of place. And I wondered if you have had that, you, you must know that in Tosa, there's definitely this sense that it flies under the radar locally, because even when I posted the story about you selling loads of people's comments were like, where is this place? <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I love that you had that kind of big city vibe about it when you walked in. I, my time working in Nashville and, and living in L.A., when I, when I lived in L.A., you know, I bought the building a year after I moved back from Los Angeles. I think the goal was always to have the kind of facility that just doesn't exist here in terms of having multiple rooms and having creative collaboration between different projects and people dropping in on each other's records and I think that one of the challenges over the past 20 years has been with me booking it out so much for my own stuff. It just hasn't been available for a lot of other people to work there, but the goal has always been to have it be that type of collaborative environment, very directly related to the, the way I named my production company, the burst collective is the, the idea that there's all these people and the, that burst of creativity kind of coming out of the gathering, you know, yeah. So I have one more question for you before we go. This is the this is the geeky urban spelunking question. When you bought the building, was there anything left in it that that would have suggested it was the post office, or had all of that been torn out already? Uh, no, that I've got some really cool stories there. Uh, some creepy and some super geeky. It's, oh, like, it's pretty okay. wild. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the crawl space is bizarre, and it's, we've had to do a bunch of mechanical work down there to update the plumbing and electrical and whatnot. So I'm. I'm really happy we have access, but it's definitely a bit of a creepy vibe when you go down in the, in the storeroom and you get access to the crawl space. But yeah, crawl spaces are just automatically kind of, yeah, kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, they make your skin you're crawl. Immediately <laughs> right. Well, when I tell you the next couple bits, you'll you'll definitely get that vibe because I didn't realize that the you know when I was looking into the history of the building and the history of the post office, I'm like, why are there these catwalks and this massive safe and all these like bizarre like there's a secret rear entrance and all this stuff? And then as I was doing research, I realized you know back in the 30s and 40s, the, the you had uh, what am I thinking of like money orders and, and postage and uh, the things that would go through the mail that were highly valuable. This is in the heyday of some of those bank robberies and stuff, right? Well, that, yeah. there's this massive safe still in the front of the building that we kept. Uh, to, to demo it would have been a daunting undertaking. It's, it's just built incredibly. It's just fascinating how thick the walls are, and it's just real amazing safe from the 30s. So that's still there. That's in the front space. Is that a vocal booth? <laughs> no, that's, in the, that's not in the studio space. That's the tenants up front. Oh, I see. Arte, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, when we bought the place, there was still all the original floors were there. I found all of the original windows, like the pre-war uh, leaded glass windows that we've got a whole bunch of those kind of sitting, waiting for a future project someday. And then there's this staircase walking up 
to a door in the middle of the building. I'm like, what in the world is up there? And I go peek in, and there's a catwalk running around the male sorting room that's hidden in between the walls. Wow, that's oh. cool. Have you been and up there? Can well, you go up there? Yeah, well, we tore it all down. Okay. It was taking up all this room. Well, yeah. And it wasn't valuable. I mean, it was just kind of interesting. It wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't going to preserve anything that was interesting about the post office. The safe, on the other hand, I had to keep that, you know? Right, yeah, that'd be this, such a shame. This catwalk, actually, you entered it from behind the building. There was an exterior door behind where there is uh, the Starbucks and the uh, that little mini mall behind us. So postal inspectors could slip in without the postal workers knowing that they were up in the catwalk. Whoa, it was like a spy catwalk. Little spy catwalk with little, can't, little like... Uh, louvered opening that they could uh, twist open and watch all the people sorting the mail. And you know what's funny is that that same sort of thing exists downtown in the Federal Building, uh, that's a big really? Romanesque Federal Building on, on East Wisconsin. There was a, a skylight built above it, but they made it in such a way so that the managers could look down over the post office employees below to make sure they weren't stealing anything or doing anything they weren't supposed to be doing. It's, so that must have yeah, been a yeah. common common problem that had to be solved, I guess. I know we've talked about that before on Urban Spelunking, too, with, I, I believe in a brewery that we talked about. Uh, it might, might have been Schlitz, but there was like a viewing area where the accountants were and they could kind of look down. Yeah, it was right. like the master accountant looking down on all the other bookkeepers. I guess this was before IT could sort of sort that out for you and, <laughs> yeah, right. and you know, didn't have cameras, right? You had to pop through the louver. <laughs> Take a good look. So when you to say that that feature didn't really have a lot of uh, use for us as a studio, so we got rid of that. But yeah, it was uh, it was fascinating to uncover some of that stuff. It was really cool. Yeah, that's pretty great. So when you reflect back on, I mean, it was more than twenty years in the studio space, right? Yeah, it was just over twenty years, which is I, I again. Everybody says this when they get older, but I don't even know where the time went. It's absolutely crazy how fast it's gone. I'm sure it's impossible. This is an impossible question, but what are some of your, your proudest moments or proudest proudest mixes that, that have come out of that space over that time? Proudest mixes that have come out of this space. <laughs> there's, there's some stories I probably shouldn't tell there. I don't know. <laughs> I bet. I bet. All, none of them are difficult, Nate. <laughs> they're, all, they're all easy. Um, let's see. Uh, in terms of proudest moments, you know, the fact that when a star like Rihanna comes to town and she's asked where she should work and a friend recommends our studio, like that's a real feather in our cap that I'm really proud of. You know, um, that came about through Ray Nitty, actually Ray Nitty on Twitter. Shout out Ray Nitty. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ray reached out when he saw that he and I had worked together on some stuff prior to that date. This is in like the late 2000s. We worked together. And then 2010 came around and he saw this thing on Twitter and reached out and hooked up her management label with us. And, you know, the fact that we got two Rihanna songs tracked at our space, her doing vocals until four in the morning. I mean, that was a fun uh, top of the mountain kind of memory for a little workspace in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That was really, really cool. Wow. What a highlight that must have been. And what, what two songs were those again? That is uh, two songs on her loud record, uh, Cheers, I'll Drink to That, and California King Bed. Oh, we got to layer in a little bit of that as we go out here, if that's okay. <laughs> Not to me. That's between you and the label. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what a what an incredible... I mean, and that shows you, too, like, what, what reputation means, right? I mean, that, that, that this whole thing happened because of the reputation you had in Milwaukee. 
people you knew and the work that you produced out of those studios. And uh, we talk about handcrafted sonic inspiration every week here on Urban Spelunking. Um, you should be very proud looking back and so exciting that, that it's going to remain this, this world-class facility in, in Wauwatosa. I'm ecstatic that it's going to be a creative space moving forward. And like you say about reputation, I think for better or worse, the space's reputation was one of that, like we were talking about earlier, oh, you can't get in there, you can't work there, it's too expensive, or it's always uh, booked, or uh, whatever the reputation's been, I think there's some good that came from that, like a Rihanna booking and some of the other things. But moving forward, you know, like uh, Bobby and I talked about it on Milwaukee.com, I'm gone, and though all my projects, although I'm still doing some things there with my crew, you know, I'm not using that main room all the time. And the Cotillers moving forward, the new owners of Wire and Vice, they are not me. They're not record producers. They're business people. And Luke is a, a, an engineer, a young engineer who helps me with editing at the license lab and doing some stuff like that. But the focus is booking the rooms and then being in that business of being a recording studio in a way that Wire and Vice has never really been for the last 20 years. So I hope that reputation serves them well and serves the studio well. And I really hope that uh, a bunch of great music uh, more than ever has, it will end up being done wire advice for the Milwaukee community, for the Wisconsin community. Um, I'm really proud of the stuff that's been done there, but in a lot of ways, I think the best work that's going to be done there is, is uh, still to come, you know? So you're going to be in Milwaukee this week for that big garage sale you mentioned. What's the details there? I'm, I'm coming back to uh, kind of wrap up the studio deal and the transition to the Cotillers. Uh, with that, we're doing a big clear out of, you know, what effectively became uh, a storage facility for 20 years worth of uh, stuff. I've got a whole bunch of just random stuff that we're looking to get rid of and kind of provide a fresh start. So it'll be a, I've been posting about it as like, you know, come say hi and goodbye on the same day uh, on Wednesday, the 22nd. Uh, they'll be there. I'll be there. We're just trying to, I think we're going to set up outside and just have a bit of a garage sale vibe and it's very casual. I'm thinking noon till dusk ish. Um, but just come on by and bring, uh, bring your phone with a Venmo or square app if you want to buy anything. Cause we're not doing any cash. So. Got it. I saw you had a, a box fan on Facebook. So let me, let me call that <laughs> box fan. <laughs> yeah, a there's a box fan there's a shop back there's a, a six foot wide poster of uh, the new york skyline there's all kinds of weird stuff so yeah and i'm sure some some great gear too so we'll, we'll make sure and put details about that in the story and awesome. ag- again really great to talk to you daniel thanks guys i'm Thank looking you. forward to uh, maybe running into you next week when i'm home but if not i'll, I'll definitely look you up when i'm back awesome thank you all right you got it take care Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, so the, the big garage sale coming up this week. You're going you, you're gonna to have to fight me for this box fan. You can have the box fan. I need a snare drum stand. So yeah. if, if I can have that, you can have the box fan, <laughs> and then we'll duke it out over the shop vac. Sounds good. Sounds or good. I'll I, take the shop vac. You take the giant New York photo. Yeah, vice, you know, I, vice versa. I could use one of those. Actually, I think that would be better in your hands. you got more New York yeah, roots. Than, so you can have the shop vac. All right, very good. I, I could use a shop vac. <laughs> uh, but they're going to have some great gear there, too, I'm sure, and, and a chance to say hi to Daniel and, and goodbye. Um, so that's coming up on Wednesday and just, just really great to, to talk to Daniel. Of course, he's been, a uh, through the license lab, the other part of his business has been a longtime partner of this podcast and, uh, just, just really proud of him and his next venture. Yeah. Super guy and really successful career in music, which is, you know, the envy of loads of people who would love to be able to, to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. 
Here we go. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from Landmark Credit Union and, of course, your membership along with On Milwaukee. Please do subscribe to this podcast. You can find it anywhere that you're listening to podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Just go ahead and hit subscribe and check out the info box on whatever platform you're listening to as well. You can find a link to Bobby's complete story to learn more about Wire and Vice. Bobby, this was uh, really great having Daniel on, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. It was super fun. Talk to you next week. Are we going to listen to some music now that was recorded? Oh, we got to. We got to get the Rihanna on. Right.